Welcome to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGinnis, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we continue our conversation with Angelica Necron, who we spoke to in November 2021. Thanks so much for making the time to talk to us. You started out on a number of instruments and have said, I didn't even know you could write new music. Could you tell us about your path to becoming a composer? I started playing piano when I was young, around seven, and I would mostly play the songs from Disney musicals, um, like Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and a little bit of classical, but just mostly those Disney tunes. And then I started playing violin. I, um, I started in the Conservatory of Music in Puerto Rico, which is where I was born and raised. And I played in orchestras my whole life, and I always loved the violin, but never saw myself as a concert violinist. Um, but I just kept doing it because I really loved music. But I was really curious about the sounds around me and the environment, also really curious about the other instruments in the orchestra. But I just didn't know what that meant for me. Um, I, I always played music by dead white men. And even though I obviously had a love for that music and I enjoyed playing it, there was always this kind of missing piece um, that my curiosity as a, as a person was not, was not really being fulfilled in the music I was making. So I started playing music in bands, um, mostly um, very active in the, in the DIY scene in, in San Juan, in, in Puerto Rico, and started making my own music while I was also studying violin. Um, and then around that same time, I started uh, studying um, film in the University of Puerto Rico. That's where I met a lot of my my friends that I was making music with. And through films, I discovered film music. And then through film music, I discovered the music of living composers. At the same time, also, um, I was listening to a lot of Banana Can records, um, Kronos Quartet, uh, just a lot of, of discoveries of things that were really important for, for me as an artist. And, and through that, I, I realized that there were living people making music and that my curiosity for the sounds around me and for other instruments did not mean that I just wasn't sure what instrument I wanted to play and that I was lost as a as a performer, but mostly that what I wanted to do was to write for all these instruments. Um, and, and also at the same time found out that there was a composition department in the conservatory. It was very small. It was all male at that time. Um, so I, I joined the composition department. I switched from violin to composing and yeah, and that was it. I kind of never looked back after that. You work with a fascinating range of instruments, from toy pianos, accordions, and robotics, to music boxes, ocarinas, and vegetables, experimenting with sound using simple but intricate means and small, childlike timbres. Can you talk about where you get your inspiration from and your compositional process? 
I'm really inspired by whatever is around me, my family, my friends, my students, people I don't know, nature, sounds from nature, and how they're connected to a specific place and memory and time. I'm also really inspired by comedy and sounds from really everywhere. Um, domestic sounds from my apartment, my kitchen, the way um, a specific person laughs, the way someone talks. It really could be anything that sparks an idea. I do have a, a kind of special interest or I'm really drawn to um, to non-conventional sound makers um, and also objects from childhood like music boxes, toys and more than anything I feel like that's a, that's a connection to to not only nostalgia but there's also a sense of irreverence that is inherent in those objects and, and those instruments and I'm really interested in, in tapping into that and and in a way accessing another side of them and playing with what happens when we take these sort of mundane objects or, or objects that a lot of their identity relies in not being professional and then put them in a professional setting and what happens when they overlap with more traditional instruments and also all the possibilities for manipulating sounds and taking a sound that could have very specific associations to someone, but then what happens if I take out an important part of the sound, like the attack, for example, and leave the resonance and what transformations can come out of that. Um, my compositional process is very visual. I often start with an image It could be something very specific, like a painting, a word, but it could also be just a texture or a color or, or a feeling, just something pretty, pretty evocative in my head that can then start the process of, of capturing ideas and developing them in a way that feels satisfying to me. I, I then almost always collect sounds, either from the environment or from my house, um, or, or samples from other pieces that I've written in the past, and create a sound library for, for the specific piece, and then start playing around with those sounds. So I almost always, if the piece is electronics, I'm almost always starting with the electronics and playing around with manipulating and processing those sounds and seeing what the sounds want to do in this piece. And, and then from there, it's a pretty intuitive and organic process in which I'm just following um, my ears and trying to not think so much about theory or chord progressions or, or rhythm in an, in an intellectual way and more, more following my intuition and and writing something that that I'd like to hear. Live performance is a major part of your practice. 
and you founded two very different bands, Balloon and Arturo en el Barco. How do your compositional and performing practices inform and help each other, or do they live in separate worlds for you? That's a really good question. I think for a long time, I kept those worlds separate, and that did not feel right. I was making music with Balloon, and I was writing very different kind of music for the concert hall, and very purposefully separated those worlds. And I would say about 12 years ago, I started not caring so much about that and about putting things in separate containers and just being more fluid and embracing the totality of who I am as an artist as my true self. And, and that was really liberating. So I right now don't think about those six, those distinctions. Um, they, they pretty much all live together in the same part of my brain. And, and also what I do in Balloon, which is collaborative because I'm making music with my best friends, it's also a really big part of the work I write for chamber ensembles and orchestras and the work I write for myself to play solo using plants or vegetables. Um, it's, it's all, I think, combined and, and infiltrates sometimes in, in ways that I don't even realize until I've had some distance with the music and then come back to it. And then, and then I'm like, oh, that clarinet part is actually, I don't know, something that Nora would play. Um, Nora, who plays cuatro and bass in balloon, um, that's something that Nora could play in a balloon song and come up with that. So I think... Um, I think my experience in those bands has been really formative and really influential in my, in my other compositions for other people. Thank you for listening to For Good Measure, and a special thank you to our guest, Angelica Necron, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends, posting about it on social media, and leaving us a rating and a review. To learn more about E4TT, our concert season online and in the Bay Area, or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit us at www.e4tt.org. This podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the California Arts Council and generous donors like you. Four Good Measures produced by Nanette McGinnis and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes. With special thanks to audio engineer extraordinaire Stephanie Newman. Remember to keep supporting equity in the arts and tune in next week for Good Measure.